Well, good morning. I, we know Zach is ready to be here. I hope the rest of you are. Uh, we are continuing our series um, where we're talking about the fullness of time. It says this in Galatians 4. It says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Uh, and this is an important concept in Scripture where it says that Jesus came at just the right time. And it goes beyond just thinking about it during the Christmas season. That why did Jesus show up at that particular time in history? It is a principle that is important for us in our walk with God. And the principle is that God's, God has perfect timing. God has perfect timing every single time. And sometimes we doubt that. We doubt the fact that God is doing things in the right order and the right timing and all of these things. And we struggle with this and we have doubts. But an important message of Christmas is God's timing is perfect. Well, a few years ago, uh, when uh, In-N-Out Burger opened up, um, I had to go and do what... Uh, everybody was doing. Go wait in line. Who hates waiting in lines? Okay. Uh, everybody hates waiting in lines. All right. So I had to go and uh, just experience the In-N-Out Burger uh, craze when the In-N-Out Burger just opened up. It was two years ago, right before Christmas, and the lines at In-N-Out Burger were incredibly long. And uh, I normally don't do this, but I just... I felt like we just had to go back into the time machine, the Church of the Creek classics, and watch a Church of the Creek classic video about me waiting in line at In-N-Out Burger when it first opened up. Here you go. Hello, everyone. I am at a stop sign, and I am um, right at one of the number one destination spots in the state of Colorado right now. It is In-N-Out Burger. Am now officially in line at In and Out Burger. I'm going to start my stopwatch. You can see all the cones set up. There's a line over there. There's a line over here on this side. Okay, I'm about 30 minutes in and I'm counting cars here. It looks like there's been eight cars that have left the drive-thru in the last five minutes and about 33 cars that have pulled in. So by my math, I don't have any idea. Jingle bells, jingle bells. 30 cars in every five minutes, eight cars out every eight minutes. So that means the people in the back of the line will be here forever. <laughs> have a jolly Christmas. I don't even know the words to that song. Is. 360 cars arriving an hour. They're not getting Big news, I am moving. I am moving to the other line. Just came up with the greatest business idea ever. Show up at line, in line 10 o'clock in the morning, buy 100 hamburgers, Go to the back of the line, sell them for 20 bucks each. 100, so let's say the hamburgers are five bucks each. Five dollar hamburgers times 100, that's $500. You're gonna make $15 per, per hamburger, so it's five. Mary, did you know? Just in my car, here's what I have in my car. I have 
this bottle of Germix. I have a Purell, and I have Advanced Formula La Rose hand sanitizer. I have one mask, two mask, three mask, four mask, five mask. Mary, did you know? I just found an air mask. I don't understand. I understand the in and out burger, but it's in it. It's like in, in. I N N out burger. So it's in it. In in. I am moving up. I was in the main parking lot to the main line. There's three main lines out of the main parking lot, which has maybe 20 other lines. And I'm in the last one. In, in and in and and in and out. In in in. That's that's weird. No idea what I'm gonna order. I don't know what they do. Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you for asking. How can we take? Um, I will take a double double meal. Would you like onion on that? Yes. Okay. And I'll take a diet coke to go with it. Okay, I've put my order in. I'm still waiting in line, but look at this. <laughs> One hour! I should have gotten a shake. I should have gotten a shake. That is like the smallest menu I've ever seen. So the cheeseburgers are actually only three dollars each. So if I did three, three hundred dollars, a hundred cheeseburgers at three dollars a piece for three hundred dollars and sold them at twenty dollars a piece. Little pro tip, turning on the heated seats to take home the burger to the family. Do the heated seats, it'll keep it warm. Here we go, I'm up. I'm at one hour and 14 minutes. Hello. Hi, how are you? How are you doing? Thank you. Is that night you? Yep. Okay, here we go. Nice little uh, festive messages on the bags. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Thank you. Um, surprise. They're good. Not great. Um, I just noticed my drink. No strong. Are you? I gotta go back in line. No. I should have got a shake. That's what. That's what happens. All right. Here we go. The double double. We'll try it out. It is pretty big. Looks good. It's good. <laughs> I don't know if it's an hour and 14 minutes good. Update, the burger was awesome. Uh, I would say not quite as good as maybe a couple of sit-down restaurants, but definitely better than the fast food restaurants, and I thought it strong, so gotta give them credit. All right, uh, anybody experience that? Anybody go through the line? Uh, we had to th show that classic. Uh, uh, remember when you had to carry 20 different uh, masks in your car and all the hand sanitizer? Uh, 
Times are good. Uh, we don't have to do that as much anymore. But we hate waiting. All of us hate waiting because, you know, we would just prefer that everything happened so quickly. And many times in our culture and in this time, we treat God like, God, you haven't answered my prayer quick enough. I, I prayed this morning and this afternoon has come and you haven't answered my prayer. What is going on? And we see through scripture that the reality is, is there was promises made in the Old Testament. There was promise that, promises that were made generations upon generations. And there was finally a period of time after hundreds of years where God fulfilled his promise. And I want you to think about that for a moment is that generation upon generation came and went and they still it didn't feel like God was moving fast enough or answering the prayers quick enough. But I want I, I want you to think about this in your own life. What would it be if you reversed that and all your frustration about the timing of God went away and you got as you wished? You got every prayer answered in the timetable that you asked it. You, you asked for a prayer and immediately it showed up. It was faster than Amazon Prime. As soon as you asked for something, it showed up right away. What would that be like in your life? What would that do to your relationship with God? How would that change things and change you? You know, I could think about it like maybe maybe early on in our life, it would start in a, a mild way. It would be like a middle schooler showing up for test day, math test day. And, you know, we've all said this prayer. God, help me with this test. I have no idea what's going on. And maybe we would get that prayer answered and we get 100 percent and be like, all right, that's pretty good. That's great. Maybe then it would progress to more. And it would progress towards every single prayer that we asked. Every single prayer that we asked was answered to the point where it would be ridiculous. We're an in and out burger and we want a burger right now. And so God make it happen. No waiting, no questions. God immediately would answer our prayers. What would happen to us spiritually? What would happen to us in our life? If we got every one of our prayers answered exactly when we asked for it, it would be ridiculous and we would have a crazy relationship with God where it would turn into the fact that we would just ask God to do our bidding and he would immediately come through. Of course, we recognize that even if we we did this with a kid, that it, as soon as they asked something, if we gave them exactly what they wanted, we know that they would likely become spoiled and they would relate to the world totally and completely differently. How would we relate to God if we always got all of our prayers answered immediately? The reality is what would happen is it wouldn't really be a relationship with God anymore. We would become God and that God would do our bidding. Is that really what we want and is really what, we, what, what we're wanting when we're impatient is we just want God to show up in our timing. But an important message of Christmas is that God will know. God will know when it is time for him to intervene. God will know when it is time for God to do the impossible, something that's beyond us. 
I want to read in Luke chapter 1, one of the stories and one of the accounts of Christmas. Um, Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says this. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who is said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So one of the important message of, messages of Christmas is that God will know when it's time for the impossible. God will know when it's time to intervene. It says right here in this section, when God shows up, uh, the angel says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. In our world, there are lots of different things to be afraid of. Lots of different things that create stress and anxiety in our life. Lots of different thoughts that we have, wandering thoughts that circle in our head because, you know, things are unsettled. Maybe we, we have one of those prayers that have been asked that hasn't been answered. We think about, hey, the economy, things are getting more expensive, gas is getting higher, uh, interest rates are getting higher, uh, it seems like uh, wages aren't keeping up with all these expenses, my bills are getting higher and higher and things aren't going as... So we, we have some fears about this and we have fears about what's maybe ahead. We have fears about our kids. When we send them off to school, who are they talking to? Who are they friends with? Are they safe? Is it, you know, is it a good environment? What are they teaching them? What's going on? Are they okay? Is it normal that they do that? Is that, is that normal? We, you know, we have all of these thoughts about our kids. We have thoughts about relationships. Why did I say that? Why did, why did they say that back? Did you see the face that that person made? Did you, did you see what they posted? I can't believe they posted that. Why did they post that? Was that directed towards me? Uh, we, don't, we have all of those kind of thoughts and feelings. We have worries about illness and health. And 
it on and on and on and on. And there's so many different things in life that just can consume our thoughts, consume our minds, and we can become people that are just all the time just focused on all of these things, all these things. And maybe if you're like me, that there's times where you just have all these thoughts circling and you're, you're wondering and asking God and maybe even questioning God, why is the world the way it is? But God shows up this first Christmas and the, the message of the angels is, don't be afraid. And it says, Mary, you have found favor with God. There should be incredible peace in our lives if we can come to the point where we say, I'm at peace with God. I'm at peace with my relationship with God. I, man, I have a whole list of anxieties. I have a whole list of things that I wish were taken care of. I have a whole bunch of thoughts about this world that I wish something would change. Some, God would intervene. But in this moment, Mary is somebody that has favor with God. She can be in a place where she doesn't have any fear. Doesn't have any, any of those anxieties, any of those worries. It says later... In the passages, it says that why the Holy Spirit will come upon you. It says this in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's really one of the most important messages of this season. One of the most important messages that we have to hear if we're getting anxious or if we're not quite sure about things is that the reality is you can be at complete peace without any fear, recognizing there will be a point in time where God will intervene. God will show up. Just stay right there. Stay where you're at. You're in God's favor. You're doing the right thing. Be at peace. God will intervene at certain points in time. Now, as we talked about, sometimes we wish God would intervene more often and quicker and on our timing. But God will show up in times that God needs to show up. I kind of equate it to this. I remember back years ago when I was teaching uh, my kids to swim or we were hanging out at the pool. I'm not a very good teacher uh, um, because I'm a terrible swimmer. However, uh, and we even had some swimming lessons, but you know, there's times where you're at the pool and you're hanging out with your kids and you're trying to coax them to learn how to swim. You, you, uh, my mom told me this is an important skill that every kid needs to learn just in case they're on a cruise ship and get tossed overboard, I guess, or something like that. I have no idea, but I live, you know, uh, I live in Colorado, so uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But anyways, I remember Titus was really young and we took him to... Uh, get lessons for swimming and he was just kind of sitting on the edge and they were kind of talking about what they should do with swimming and what what uh you know how you kind of get used to the water and touch the water and splashing the water and then they had one point in time where they put a little object under the water and they said okay here's the first thing you got to do reach your reach down and they put it far enough down where you had to put your head under reach down grab it and pick it up and there was about three or four kids there. And the first one went, reached down, pick it up, reached down, pick it up. Came to Titus's turn. And the guy was like, pick it up. Titus kind of went down about this far. 
didn't want to put his face in the water. And he looked at the swim instructor and he said, you do's it. <laughs> and he's like, no, you go. He's like, you do's it. I don't want to do it. So uh, that was Titus. Um, he, was, he was 16 at the time. Uh, but... <laughs> But uh, that was his experience. But I remember there's lots of these different encounters that we had where we're, we're trying to learn and teach our kids how to swim. And, and I did this. I don't know if this is a good parenting technique or not, but I bet you some of you did this as well. I'd get the kids kind of on the edge of the pool right there. And, you know, about the five foot section. So it's up to my chest. I'm not very tall. And uh, he, I would stand back about, about three foot. And I'd say, okay, hey, jump out, and I'll be right here. And you had to stand like the perfect distance where you're close enough there, but you're a little ways away. And you do this, and they jump off, and they have to start kicking their legs right away. And you're right there, and all of a sudden, you just kind of like do the little backpedal, little moonwalk in the pool, and just keep going. And, you know, first time, they make it about five feet. Do pretty good. At some point in time, they're going to get under and you just grab them and you pick them up. And then let's do it again. Let's do it again. Look how far you made it. Okay. Next time, seven feet. Next time, 10 feet. And eventually you could go all the way down the pool, just standing there, just backpedaling and letting them just know you are there. You're there. But the reality is in scripture. And this is what we need to understand because there's supernatural things that are taking place, that are recorded, that are put in scripture for us to understand and know is that God will intervene. God will intervene at the right time, at the right moment in history. God will show up. There are times where it's like, okay, trust me, I am there, I will be there. If you start going underwater, I will be right there to catch you. I will not let humanity, I will not let the world just devolve into complete and total chaos. God will intervene. And in the Christmas story, it tells us and shows us that there are unique moments in history where God shows up and demonstrates to the world that he is there with us. That he's going to show up. And God's power will overshadow you. Because there's some things that we can't quite do yet. We might be at a place in our life and in our faith where, man, if I, I can take a couple of, I can swim a, a few feet, but I can't quite make it all the way. God, I need you to help me right now. And there's this principle in scripture where it says, God will not give you these temptations or it won't give you a, a situation in life that you can't bear. God will not allow all of human history just to go into chaos. God will show up. But what would happen? And this is an important question. What would happen if my swimming lesson for my son was sit on that edge and I just picked him up and walked him over to the other side of the pool and set him down? What would happen? He never learned to swim. He never learned to, uh, hey, I can do it. And there's a safety net there. There's help. There's support. He would, he would never get in the water. 
He would, he would always just kind of look at everybody his entire life and say, you do it. You do it. I have, I have no ability. I have no faith. I have no trust. I have no, no shot at even like making it a couple of feet. I've never done that before. And there's this odd balance in scripture that is definitely frustrating that I don't have a perfect formula for. I don't have a math equation for it. But there's, there's this reality that there is a delicate balance between God's intervention and how God allows us to live our life and choose. That there's a delicate balance between the two. And it shows up in scripture over and over where it says, trust me, I will show up and I will intervene. I will give humanity a shot. I will extend grace to you. You will have an opportunity to have a relationship with me. You will have an opportunity to make it. But there's a delicate balance between God's intervention and our choice. Man, that is frustrating sometimes. But we have to believe in the promise of Scripture and the message of Christmas. It says in verse 37, it says this. For no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. Don't mistake God's allowance with God's absence. When God allows things to exist in this world for a season of time, don't mistake that for God's absence. You're not here with me. You're not there beside me. You're not doing what I want you to do. No, God is allowing humanity and he's allowing the world to swim a little bit. To have choice. To build trust. To build faith. But man, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard sometimes to look around and say like, man, I feel like I'm drowning. I feel like the water is going over my head. It feels like there's no one there. It feels like this world is just too much for me. I can't handle it. And God, you're completely and totally absent. Man, Mary in this moment demonstrates so much. She demonstrates so much that we can learn from that in this moment, there's, there's a reason that Mary was God's chosen. There's a reason that the angel says that Mary was somebody that found favor in God because, you know, this is, this is a tough sell. This is a big one. You're going to bear the God of the universe, the savior of the world, the Messiah. You are going to be my representative in the world to do this. And the Holy Spirit will overshadow you this is something I'm doing that is important for all time and history because I made a promise that I will come and bring my son to save the world. I made a promise and that's going to be fulfilled. And so Mary says in verse 38, she says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. What would happen in your life if you had this kind of trust? If you believed that God was there? Maybe next time, I mean, when you're dealing with the circumstances that you're saying, 
man, I'm not quite sure why you're doing this, God. I'm not quite sure why I'm going through this. Have this image or have this idea of God right there in the swimming pool, just a couple feet away, ready for you. Mary just had this way where she just said, God, I will trust you. I'm going to trust you with this. And the result of that is incredible peace. Later on in the chapter, there's recorded this song of praise. Mary says this in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation. Unquestionably, right here, we have... A, a section that is a incredible prayer and an incredible song and it expresses her heart and her spirit in this moment after receiving this unbelievable shocking news. However, beyond that, I think it's a prophetic word for us and it's a message for us. That whatever is going on in your life, if you're able to, if you're able to just trust that God will be there for you, if you're able to trust that, that God will show up and God does mighty things, that every one of his promises will come to pass, you can have incredible peace in your life. You can be joyful in the midst of really difficult circumstances. Something that has always been a testimony to the world is people who are able to be joyful in the middle of trials. Something that actually marked the church and the first followers of Jesus. Many of the first followers of Jesus had an incredibly difficult time. There's people that would, they were searching and hunting them down to put Christians to death. You call uh, Jesus the Messiah, you say he rose from the dead, you're spreading this message, you're causing problems. That was the mindset. And many of these Christian people were facing life and death situations. But church history tells us that really the biggest message, one of the one of the big messages of the early church that changed people's perspective of Christians was how Christians dealt with trials, how Christians suffered, how Christians would sing praise songs when people were persecuting them. How Christians would sing songs in prison. How they would pray out to God and say, God, forgive them when they were being persecuted. Whenever they were doing these things, it confounded the world because it doesn't seem to make sense that people would have incredible peace going through some of the most stressful events in human history. However, it was a witness to what had been done in their life. An incredible witness that God is doing something in your heart and God has really transformed and changed you is if you can have peace when things are uncomfortable. If you can have peace when things are unsettled, when things around you are swirling, 
If you can have peace, you can recognize that God has done a deep work in your heart and spirit. God has done something in you and has changed you. No mistake why Mary was the one that was going to deal with this incredibly difficult call, incredibly difficult task. Because she's someone, when she heard a message from God, how unbelievable the message was, she said, you know what? Okay, I'm going to be at peace with that. Something deep in her spirit was able to trust. So how about us? How about us? God's timing is perfect. And there's times when it's time for God to show up and do the impossible, and he does. Maybe we won't see it exactly in our life, in the circumstances that we want, in the timing that we want. But the message of Christmas is to proclaim to us and to the entire world that God will intervene. God will be there in those moments. Will you trust? Will you believe? Pray with me. God, help us not to be afraid. Help us not to live an anxious life where it feels like everything that's going on or everything that comes up is a direct attack on us and maybe even an attack on our faith. But God, I pray that you would build something in us. A kind of resilience. A spiritual resilience, God, that we know that you'll come through. God, we thank you as we look back. As we look back through scripture, we recognize that when you make a promise, it won't fail. When you say something about us or say something about the world, it will come to pass. So God, we know that there'll be a moment where maybe you need to intervene or you need to show up. We don't know exactly how that will transpire, but we trust you. Right now, as we kind of continue in the spirit of prayer, I want to invite you to Pray out to God. But I want you to be specific. Is there an anxious thought that has been swirling in your head? Is there a doubt that has creeped in? 
Take this moment right here just to say, God, I'm not comfortable with that, but I trust you. God, I pray that you'd build something in us. A trust. That we just need to stay with you. Stay faithful to you. Keep following you. And God, it'll work out. Build our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.